Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Martin Willis, your host, and we have a great show for you this evening. David Clark um, in England on the Calvine photo or Calvine photo. I've heard it pronounced both ways. Uh, it's a pre-recorded show. I had to record with him because it's very late at night for him right now. So uh, he was willing to pre-record, which I did um, some days ago. And I will be in the chat room. So I will be uh, I will be participating in the chat room during this show. And so uh, I'm excited about having him, but also tonight, um, if you want to stay up late or early, whatever you want to call it, uh, there is the Artemis One launch. And that is at, uh, well, the launch window starts at 1.04 a.m. Eastern. So uh, pretty exciting going to the moon. It's going to orbit maybe six days or something like that. And then uh, in a couple of years, Artemis II will have astronauts. They're going to do the same. And then Artemis III, I don't know exactly when that's going to be, but it's actually going to be a landing on the moon, which, of course, never happened, right? I'm just kidding. It's a joke, everyone. It's a joke. I really do believe the landing did happen indeed on the moon. And we are going back to look at the footprints just to make sure. I think that's what we're doing. But it should be, uh, I mean, I love this stuff. I'm really glad that we're, uh, it, it just seems unreal that it was uh, all the way back 1969 in the early 70s where we were landing and walking on the moon and we have not been back. So glad we're going back again. And I am just about ready to start the show with uh, David Clark. And uh, again, I will be in the chat room and participating and uh, make sure there's no funny business either. All right, here we go. All right. Welcome back, David. Thanks for inviting me back. Uh, pretty exciting to talk about the uh, Calvin, uh, Calvin uh, photo and how you uncovered it and everything. But for the first time uh, person that's heard you for the first time, uh, why don't you quickly, if you would, give your background and what got you interested in exploring? And I know you're, you're a, a healthy skeptic is what I would say, uh, but exploring this topic, what made you interested in? looking at it well i've been i've been interested in in the subject since i was a child that's mid 1970s reading all the sorts of you know the paperback books like the high neck ufo report um and um i went in I, I trained as a journalist went into journalism and during the 1990s during the sort of 40, um, 50th anniversary of of roswell Newspapers were full of um, stories about UFOs, and I began writing about it again at that at that stage. Um, and I started using freedom of information requests um, to obtain um, information from the UK government because that around that time, the late 1990s, you were able for the first time um, to to obtain material that had never been available before. Um, hmm. that had been um, accumulated in the archives, um, RAF, MOD, et cetera, et cetera. So I started writing stories for the for the media about the subject then. Um, and because I was doing so much research, um, at visiting the National Archives in London, um, in 2005, when the Ministry of Defence took the um, decision to release their entire archive, they asked me to act as like the, the curator, the spokesperson for this massive sort of open government project 
uh, which saw something like 160 files, thousands of pages of information released, or much of it redacted, you know, all the personal information taken out. And that's when I first saw um, um, a very poor sort of um, scaled down um, version of this Calvin photograph. Here, here you go. Yeah, th this is what was released in 2009. Um, and, and that we don't we still don't know whether that's um whether that's a drawing based upon the original images or um it's described as a view foil and that's all there was in the files um that were released in 2009 so it, it really sort of intrigued me at the time and i thought this you know there's something more going on with this photograph and i made quite a few inquiries there and then i spoke I'd, i I'd, i spoke to the day the scottish daily record which was the the newspaper in Glasgow that had been sent these negatives back in 1990 and no one there seemed to remember anything about it it was like yeah we've heard the same story that you've heard but no one here remembers it so I did as much digging as I could then um, but didn't get anywhere um, and, it, and it stuck with me ever since another 13 years <laughs> well when this was out there I remember seeing this floating around and hearing about it and um, that it was, you know, uh, not a mim. I thought it was like a mimeograph or whatever you want to call it, some type of yeah. bad copy of a photograph. And I remember there was, you know, questions about, is this a real thing or, or, you know, I mean, you can see the scale of the object. Now we don't know how far away the, either one of them are as far as if one's under the other or one's yeah. far off in the distance, but if they are the same basic distance and you see the scale, this thing is huge, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and of course, on that version of it, you don't see any of the, the landscape or the, um, the framing, you know, the, the, the fence and the trees that you see on the, um, the actual original, one of the original prints. This is the, this is the one that um, was released in August um, this year. That uh, it, this, this is an original print taken from the original negatives. Uh, that's been kept by um, this guy called Craig Lindsay, who was the RAF press officer uh, mm -hmm. for Scotland at the time. Now, was this, uh, is this the only picture? I mean, you would think that there would be several pictures taken of an object like that if the, if the photographer had time. Yes, there was, the, apparently there was originally six um, mm -hmm. images, color images. This is what is, is mentioned in the, uh, the, 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 the memo that was produced by Owen Hartop for the Ministry of Defense at the time. So in 1990, the, the photographers um, sent these negatives to the Scottish Daily Record and the Daily Record contacted the RAF for a comment, which is how Craig Lindsay became involved in the first place. So, um, there's, there's, there's some correspondence in the files which suggests that the Ministry of Defence expected the Daily Record to publish the story. Was and, this is this related yeah. to that? This yeah, stuff? this 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 is this is one of the um, one of the documents that was that was released at the National Archives in two thousand and nine, at the same time as the, um, the the photocopied image that you you showed originally. Uh, and that basically is a briefing by the UFO desk officer um, for um, the defense minister and the departmental press office, basically saying the Daily Record have got these images. They've got six color images showing this UFO being shadowed by what appears to be a, a Harrier jet. We, and, and they're expecting the newspaper to publish the story imminently. 
And then the interesting thing, this is what, this is what I found as a journalist intriguing, the file, there's no further mention of it after that point. September 1990, the, the, it just ends there. And there's a few intriguing documents from a defense intelligence file um, from the following year where they're asking um, for a, a second um, retasking of the analysis that was done on the photographs that um, by that point they'd returned the negatives to the newspaper and all they had were these view foils, which are like um, overhead projections. That's what I understand a view foil to be. Oh, I see. Now, uh, so how did you come come upon the? Uh, was it actually the photographer that you were able to connect with? No, we've never found the photographer. the The, the oh. identity of the photographer remains a mystery. I see. Um, what's happened? Yeah. What happened was is I made some inquiries at the time, back in two thousand and nine, as far as I could do um, with with the the current journalists and, and photographers on the daily record none of whom said that they could remember anything about this um story and that's because they never ran the story in the first place and, mm -hmm. and again this is a mystery why did they not run it mm -hmm. and i, I mean or, or, i mean there's, there's so much to cover here martin it's a dif difficult to know, <laughs> know where to start um was but, it anything um, to do with the mod like well in the uk we have this thing called the DA notice or D notice committee, and what that is, is um, um, it's a thing that's run by the Ministry of Defence, and they have um, it's like a, they have members of the press representing the, the print media and the broadcast media who sit on this committee with um, people from the Secret Services, people from the RAF, from the Ministry of Defence, and it's if you're working as a journalist and you're working on a story that has potential national security implications, you can, but you don't have to. If you're worried about, um, I don't know, revealing the name of a, of a um, an agent who works abroad or revealing something about nuclear weapons or something like that, um, and you're thinking of publishing a story that touches on one of those subjects, you can ring the D notice committee and you can take advice from the government is is this something that i should publish now most journalists would not go anywhere near the d notice committee <laughs> you you would you you wouldn't go there but it mm. exists and it's something that's that was created in the second world war or, or cold war um that still functions now the interesting thing is this is what we've been able to discover quite recently is that the editor of the daily record at that time in 1990 a guy called endel laird was actually one of the press representatives on the D-Notice Committee at the time this photograph was taken. And the interesting thing, if you if you look at this in context, the photograph was taken on the 4th of August, 1990. Now, two days before that, Saddam Hussein's forces had, had entered Kuwait, mm. and there was a massive um, military operation going on. Um, there were there were military aircraft, um, um, aircraft carriers um, heading for the... Um, for the Middle East, and I can't help but but think that there's some connection between this um, this photograph and this event and mm. um, what eventually became the first Gulf War. Mm. There, I'm sure any of the news would be overshadowed with what was going on with the, the war. Yeah, uh, you know, and I wonder if that's perhaps why this story didn't get printed. Well, I'm I'm certain of it. You know, I I, I don't think there's any doubt that. 
there was some kind of intervention by the Ministry of Defence that, that that persuaded the newspaper not to publish the photograph. Because the thing about the photograph is, I mean, there's a lot of controversy about whether it's genuine or not. Um, but to me, that misses the point that even if the photograph is fake, or even if the six images, these six original images were all faked, um, most newspapers would still run the story. <laughs> it, it would still be a story. It's still yeah. newsworthy. I mean, whatever you think of the image, that is a striking image. I was working on, I yeah. was working on a newspaper at the time, um, the, she the, the Sheffield Star Yorkshire Evening Post, which was like a sister paper to the Daily Record. If somebody had turned up at our office with a set of photographs like that, even if it, even if eventually someone had said, "Well, we, you know, this has gone to the um, experts at the Royal Air Force, and they've they've worked out that it's, it's a clever fake," it, it, it would you would still run the story. And the and the news editor of the Daily Record, um, Malcolm Speed, who I've spoken to quite recently, I was I, was, I did an interview with him on my blog. He says the same. He can't understand it. He remembers being shown the photograph just before he went on annual leave in oh. August 1990. Um, this is the time when most people in the UK um, will book holidays to go, you know, it's the, it's the sort of holiday season. So he went off just as this uh, photograph arrived at the newspaper. He came back expecting it to be splashed across the front page. Um, and the newspaper had not run the story. And, it, and he was basically, uh, he asked, he asked the, um, the photo editor, why haven't you run the story? And the guy said, oh, well, I sent it to the RAF, as we know he did. And they yeah. told us it was a fake. So uh, we haven't run it. But even to this day, he, he cannot understand why there was no story. I mean, surely the, the, the fact that these photographs have been taken in the Scottish islands, showing this huge object being shadowed by an RAF jet. Mm -hmm. um, these two guys had come forward with this incredible story. Um, they'd been sent the photographs. They'd sent them to the RAF. And even if the RAF had come back and said that they were faked, that is a story. <laughs> Whichever yeah. way you slice it, you know, so why did they not run the story? And I, I and this is the answer. This this is the question that I, still remains unanswered. Wow. This is why I'm interested in the story. I, I, to be honest, what it actually shows is neither here nor there to me. I'm just interested in it as a um, as, as an interesting sort of um, journalistic mystery. Right. Yeah. It does. It is very uh, mysterious. And just to let the audio. Uh, listener know these images will be in our show notes so you can take a look at them at any given time uh, so why don't we uh, walk through your uh, search and how things went stumbling blocks or whatever you had to deal with on how you actually were able to obtain this photograph well first of all i should say that um it, it, although i've done most of the running with this there's been like a small team of people that have uh, mm -hmm. that have been helping I mean, most recently, the the, the guys at um, U, um, U, UK UAP Media, because I've recently joined up with them uh, to work on this investigation. And there's also been um, a, a, a colleague of mine called Mike. Um, um, there's, there's been several people who've, who've, who've become um, interested in this, including Matthew Ilsley, who's... Um, is a really skilled investigator. He's not a journalist, but he, he's certainly done a lot of digging around in the background, and he's been helping me with this. And also, there's a there's a guy called Giles Stevens who actually lives very close to where the photograph was taken, up in the Scottish Islands at a place called Calvine, which is on a, the A9 road. 
And he, uh, during the COVID lockdown, he basically, he sort of walked the entire landscape. He knew every inch of the landscape. So when we actually obtained the, 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 the print, uh, he, 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 he was able to sort of say, because of the, 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 um, the way that the, the, the Scottish Islands is farmed and, and run, there's very few places in that immediate area where there could have been a fence like the ones shown in the photograph. So we pretty much narrowed it down to where we think this picture was taken, which is about um, 13 miles north of a town called Pitlochry, which is like a tourist town. Um, it's it's very sort of um, it markets itself as the gateway to the Scottish Islands. Wow, um, I saw an image uh, on Twitter of that someone took that they thought was the same setting. Is that is this what we're talking about? Um, I'm not entirely sure because there's been a lot of um, posts on social media, and, and, yeah, and since see. we since we've since we've said where we think the photograph was taken, people have been out there, um, and they've and they've, they've you know they've, they've they've taken lots. People have taken lots of photographs, and these have been on social media. In fact, there's been so much on social media about this. I, I I've just had to step back from it. So <laughs> all I know is what I can talk about which is what resulted in my investigation not what other people have done since well i remember the first name of the guy because he bought a painting for me is steph mm -hmm. and that he he uh had these things your this image posted along with mm -hmm. the image of the landscape but you could see um uh, there were like mountains or hills but, yeah well, you... the fence lined up and the i don't yeah. know if the tree did but 1990 would be a big change in the tree by now so uh but but anyway it, um it's great that all these people are interested in trying to figure this Absolutely. out yeah now have you only you know that you said that you know that there were six images is this the only image that you have been able to uncover yes yes because mm -hmm. the what ha what became of the the other five is remains a mystery because the um the ministry of defense um say that they returned them to the newspaper but the newspaper say they they were never returned to them so they who knows what's happened to the originals they may have been returned to the photographers but because we don't know um the identity of the photographers the whole thing is just so mysterious yeah and so uh did you walk all the way through like uncovering this did you already go through all that, how you were able to actually get to this photograph? Yeah, I mean, I said that back in 2009, um, the very poor photocopied version of, of this was was released as part of this um, material that, that the Ministry of Defense put out there under Freedom of Information. This was part of the project with the National Archives. And apart from the image you've seen and a few... Um, um, other documents that were released at that time, which didn't really tell us much other than the fact that um, two guys who were out walking, hill walking, um, had seen this, what they described as a large stationary diamond shaped object with this jet aircraft flying past it, um, that they'd taken a number of um, photographs, they'd passed the negatives to the Scottish Daily Record. The Daily Record had sent them to the Royal Air Force, who'd sent them to the Ministry of Defence. 
Minister of Defence had got their experts to examine the negatives and they hadn't been able to identify what the diamond-shaped object was. Um, but they had, they were pretty sure that, that the, um, the aircraft was a Harrier, the, the, the object, mm -hmm. the, the aircraft to the, to the side of the, of the UFO that you can see there. Um, and, the, and apparently on one of the other stills, there is also a second military aircraft also believed to be a Harrier, but obviously we don't have that um, image, so we can't. I can't show you that. Hmm. Um, so um, that's as much as we could ascertain at the time in in two thousand and nine. So the the story since then has just kept reappearing. People have speculated about what could possibly be the explanation. Where have the photographs gone to? And Nick Pope has done a lot of. Um, publicity about this. It's one of his favorite cases. He mentions it in his um, in his original book, Open Skies, Closed Minds. And there's been a number of stories in some of the tabloid newspapers about it ever since. Um, um, Nick worked with an artist to produce like an artist's impression of this photograph, because I should explain that here you can see it. And a lot of people who, who have seen that artist's impression think that that is the one of the original photographs when it isn't yeah it's it's, it's been it's been conjured up on a on a, on a computer now right. yeah. what i should explain is is that when nick pope um took on the role of ufo desk officer at the ministry of defense in london in july i think it was june or july 1990 that was a year after these images had been sent to the ministry of defense so he didn't actually deal with the case it was his predecessor a guy called owen hartop but when he turned when he arrived when he had the this owen hartop is the author of this memo that that is the briefing um for the minister of defense on the photographs so um in nick's nick's book he says that when he turned when he got the job in the office the secretariat air staff office on the wall was a huge poster sized version of the calvin photograph and, and people used to come in and say, what the hell is that? And it was a talking point in the office. Um, also, presumably, he, what, he got, what he knew about it was from talking to his predecessor, Owen Hartop. And he said that this, this post was on the wall for a while. It was really stunning and, and impressive. And at some stage, his boss, um, the head of the section, came in and removed it because he was concerned that, that it was something top secret that was shown on the photograph and at the time there was a lot of press speculation about this so-called hypersonic experimental aircraft that was called aurora which was supposed to be the successor oh, yeah. for the sr-71 blackbird um interestingly um this is a page from the um defense intelligence staff report on uaps that um i tracked down and got i got this document huge document four volume 465 pages that was wow. produced in the late 1990s wow. a lot of it a lot of it has been redacted this is a the photo the image you've just sh sh shown there as you can see you've got a picture this is a section on black project aircraft experimental mm -hmm. aircraft that have been seen and reported mm -hmm. as uaps and interestingly you've got the sr-71 nasa photograph and then you've got two other images that have been removed that apparently are top secret experimental aircraft hmm. um, 
um, United States um, United States programs removed under Section 27 of the Freedom of Information Act because they are um, into, that that's what that's a, a, a an exemption to FOI that relates to international relations, i.e., with a foreign country, the USA. So that section um, of the report relates talks about the fact that some of these experimental aircraft, and there are two programs it mentioned specifically, um, these are experimental prototype aircraft, stealth aircraft of some kind, um, that even now, um, 30 years later, we're not allowed to see what these aircraft look like. Mm. So my information, and this may well be information that's false, um, is that um, what was seen and photographed was some kind of experimental um, aircraft. And, and uh, I mean, I know that the reaction to this online has been like almost sort of incredulous. This can't possibly be true. You know, there, there aren't any aircraft that we don't know about that are flying around. And I, and I just think, yeah. oh, how can anyone possibly say that? Yeah. And, and the fact that, yeah, it's 30 years ago and we should have seen it by now. Well, maybe we have seen it, but in some other form. Who knows? Yeah, you know, and and there are many other explanations for what that object could be, um, if it's not a fake. I mean, there are things like blimps, uh, strangely shaped blimps that are used by the military for as ra as, as floating radar platforms. There are um, unmanned aircraft, you know, what we now call drones. How do we know it was not some kind of experimental aircraft of that kind? You know, so there are many many possibilities for what this thing could have been. And without knowing the distances of either craft, I mean, the only way you can sort of judge it is by what is in focus and what is blurry. Yeah. And the and when you're looking at this, it looks like the uh, Harriet, uh, whatever you, the aircraft is, uh, what's it called, a Harrier? Harrier, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, seems Vertical a little bit takeoff and landing aircraft that was using the Falklands War. I I see. You can see that's a little bit blurry compared to the image of the craft almost as if that's further into the background um but i'm not necessarily <clears throat> and the shape is very odd uh, i could see where it could be some type of blimp um but if it was something that was propelled it, it it's very difficult to see uh you know if there's i mean you could possibly see a wing on the side but it, but the propulsion part of it is is uh, unusual or or mysterious looking, because yeah. you really don't see any type of propulsion, any any jet or anything like that. Yeah. Well, I I I am not a photo analyst. I have no expertise whatsoever in determining whether that is a fake photograph or not. And I've left that to my colleague Andrew Robinson, who's a photography lecturer at Sheffield Hallam University, where I work. I mean, but perhaps I should. What, we, what I need to do is explain how we came uh, to be in possession of that photograph and yeah. how we um, how we tracked down the photograph yes. itself. Because yes. um, nothing really happened after 2009 when we first became aware that, that these photographs existed. And as I say, I, the, the inquiries I made back then didn't didn't come to anything. We didn't find anything out anything more about the story. But it's one. It's a story that's always intrigued me. So over the 13 years between 2009 and then, I've, sort of, I've, I've kept my eye on developments and I've worked with, a, with a, this small group of sort of um, investigative reporters 
trying to sort of get to the bottom of this story. And everything we tried to do, we came up against brick walls in that the, we asked for the, the name of the photographer, which is in one of the documents, but has been removed. There's black yeah. ink covering it. It's oh, been right. redacted. Yeah. Um, and we, have this, um, we have this system in the UK now called um, GDPR, where personal information, i.e. people's names and addresses, is being withheld for up to 100 years. Uh-huh. And they've they've applied it to all the files on UFOs that have been released since 2005. Wow! So there's absolutely no way that our our government is going to tell us who the photographer is un- until I think it's something like 2076 when that person <laughs> will be dead and we will all be dead as well. So yeah, right. it's absolute madness. <laughs> so so in one of the documents. It gives it, there's the name of the photographer which has been removed, and then there's the name of the person who um, the photographs the name of the 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 Royal Air Force um, press officer to whom the photographs were sent by the Scottish Daily Record. Now, even though that person works in the civil service and is therefore a public servant, and you would think that their names should be in the public domain, the Ministry of Defence still will not release that name but there is nothing to stop someone as i did from simply checking who was the 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 press officer for the royal air force in scotland in 1990 because that person is a public facing civil servant who speaks to the media or would have spoken to the media every single day because that's that's what that person's job was so very quickly just from doing a, a Google search, basically, I found that that person was someone called Craig Lindsay. Now, it's not difficult then to track down that person. You know, it's basic what you do as a journalist every single day of the week. So uh, very quickly, once I'd um, worked out who who the press officer was, I, I phoned him up. And I distinctly remember the, the, the conversation I had with Craig, the very first conversation still sticks in my mind because... I got talking to him and said I was a journalist working on uh, on, a, on a story that I think he might know something about. And, and he said, well, I think I know what you're ringing me about. And he'd retired from the Royal Air Force um, at the end of uh, the 1990s. So um, he hadn't done that job for nearly 20 years. And he said, I know what you're ringing me about. I've been waiting 30 years for someone to ring me about this. <laughs> and you can imagine my reaction to that. And I said, it's the photograph, isn't it? That you're taught you that. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and yeah. And the story emerged that on, um, he, he was working as, as the quite a senior position, um, for in, in, in the sort of the Scottish office for the Royal air force based a place called RAF Petrivi castle, which was a, a wartime, um, headquarters for the, for the armed forces it still existed, doesn't it? It's, it's 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 a block of flats now, but um, he was working there at the time in 1990. The phone rang, he said, and it was the picture editor from the Scottish Daily Record who said we've had um, we've we've had a set of photographs sent to us by um, two lads um, who saw an object in the sky um, near Pitlochry, and we won a um, a comment from the RAF and Craig remembers this really distinctly he said well i can't give you a comment i need to see the photograph can you send a, can you send the photograph over um and this this chap from the daily record said yeah i'll i'll the six photographs i'll i'll run off a print of what i think is the best one the most impressive of the six and i'll send it you over so he 
couple of days later, um, an envelope, a cardboard envelope, which Craig has kept, which I now have, the original mm. envelope, um, stamped Daily Record Scotland, arrived at his office. He opened the envelope, and the print that you've, the image that you've just seen on the screen was inside it. Um, there you go. Um, eight by 10 image. Wow. And um, looks... Now the interesting thing is, in the in the description that was given to the Ministry of Defence, it talks about six colour images. But as you can see, mm. that is a black and white image. Right. Yeah. Um, and what we think, because Andrew Robinson, the, the 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 colleague of mine who's the photographer, thinks that what what happened was it's it's a black and white um, print that's been run off from a uh, a colour negative. That's mm -hmm. that's what we think has happened, and that's why it's got that sort of bizarre sepia sort of look to it right for the newspapers so, maybe yeah because i mean i worked on a newspaper at the time and we, we they had big sort of machines that they used to sort of run off images it, let's let's say you had your photograph taken for 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 inclusion in the in a, in a newspaper mm -hmm. you then wanted a copy of that image you would go to the newspaper office and they would run one would, they would run a copy of the the image off on on a on a big sort of printing machine, and we think that that's that's what that's what's happened here. Um, so what? So I mean, rather than going into the details of the image, what happened was um, after he saw that image and he showed it around the office and got various comments from some of the Royal Air Force colleagues, he phoned the number at the um, Ministry of Defence that all these um, people were instructed to call if they had a UFO report and um, spoke to what, what who we think this person was, Owen Hartop, who was the UFO desk officer. And Craig said, we've had this print sent in. I think you'll be interested in it. And and he was told, well, can you fax it to us? Because don't forget, this is pre-internet. Mm -hmm. So, so what he did was he made a he made a series of photocopies of the print that you've seen, and he sent them by fax to the UFO desk in London. And he, he while it, while he was sort of off doing whatever he was doing, the phone was ringing, and he got back to his office, and it's the guy, it's the UFO desk officer saying, "Can you get the negatives? You know, we want, and can you speak to the photographer?" So Craig phoned the. Um, the person at the Scottish Daily Record who'd sent this over and said, um, can you, the Minister of Defence want to see the negatives. Can you send the negatives to London to this address? And this is what I find incredible because the, apparently the, the, the guy on the Daily Record said, yeah, no problem, we can send them. Which to me, as a journalist, you would not hand over something like that to the mm. government <laughs> just mm -hmm. because they wanted to see them. Yeah. Again, peculiar. Um, mm -hmm. And again, it's something that's not been resolved, but that is apparently what the Daily Record did. I don't know whether they, it, it appears that they did actually keep a copy negative. So they didn't actually, they, they did keep a copy of these negatives, but they sent the originals to the Ministry of Defence. And um, Craig was given a phone number of the photographer. Mm -hmm. And he rang, he rang the number, and it turned out to be a large hotel in the Scottish Highlands. <laughs> Where these, where these two guys, well, one of the two guys who took the photographs were working, and he spoke to the photographer, and it turned out that this guy had an English accent, and he was he sounded a reasonably youngish guy, and he said that he was working part time in the hotel just as like a summer job, and this mm -hmm. is something that's quite common in Scotland. Uh, the, the, these large hotels, they employ temporary staff who work in the kitchens as chefs, this kind of thing, and he said. 
Um, he was working there just temporarily during the um, during the holidays. Did work to full shift um, in the hotel. This is an August evening. It, it's in Scotland. Uh, it's 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 quite light until around midnight. So you, you know you could go out and you could do a work a walk. 9 p.m., which is around the time these photographs were taken, mm. they'd, they'd driven um, north on the A9 road from from the hotel. They'd parked at a quite a rural spot. They'd walked up onto the hills, and he said that they'd gone through a, um, a, a an area of trees. The, the fence that you can see in the photograph, they'd gone over this fence, which is like a barbed wire fence that's used to keep sheep um, in in it, you know from stop them from roaming onto the highlands. Um, as they'd gone over this fence through these trees, they'd be, become aware of this object that was hovering in the sky above them. They didn't know how large it was or what it was, but it was something that they couldn't identify. Um, and they they were very very scared. They they they, they ran back. They got back over the wire fence and hid in the trees. Started taking photographs with a camera that they had with them. As they were taking the photographs, they heard a very distinct sound of a military aircraft coming down the valley. And this aircraft came down the valley um, north to south, past this object that you can see, the, the, the diamond-shaped object disappeared off into the distance. As they were kept watching this thing, they heard the sound of the jet again. So the, the jet appeared to have sort of returned. Um, south to north, and then came back and started banking around the object. So, if we could see the sequence of photographs as it was described, you'll see, there are other photographs in the sequence where you see the Harrier jet apparently to the left of the object, and then there's a second jet visible apparently in one of the one of the other images. And while this is going on, they're snapping away on their camera. Hmm. Uh, that it, it almost to them, they, they thought that the pilot had seen whatever it was and had come back to take a closer look, mm -hmm. almost as if it was either escorting the object, this hovering object that made no sound. Um, and so the jet then disappeared off again, and the, 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 they, they sat for a few more minutes waiting to see what happened, and then this object then apparently just went straight up into the sky, completely silent at some fantastic speed and vanished. Um, wow. That that was the story that Craig was told by this person on the telephone, and he said he was absolutely clear about what he'd seen. He answered the questions in a in a sort of he didn't appear to be you know um, stalling or making this up. He seemed completely genuine. He said he took down the information that he'd been told. He typed it up. He faxed it to the UFO desk in London as he'd been asked to do, um, and that was the end. That was the end of it. And be, because he. He knew that these um, images had been sent to a, um, a, a, a newspaper. Don't forget, this is one of the largest circulation newspapers in Scotland. It was Scotland's national newspaper, the Daily Record. It had a circulation of something in the order of 700,000 mm. copies daily in 1990. Wow. He, he had, he, because he was press officer for Scotland, he had all the newspapers delivered to his office every morning. So week after week after week he's waiting to see the story in the newspaper mm. nothing yeah um so uh, uh, later that year must probably be in october or november because he was press officer quite often he had to go to london um for a meeting at the ministry of defense main building so he went down for his regular meeting um and whilst he was there he thought well i'll go and visit my um the person i'd spoken to in the ufo desk owen hartop 
um, with, this is the person we think he was anyway. Um, so he went to the UFO desk office in the main building, opened the door, and immediately in front of him on the wall is a huge poster-shaped, um, poster-sized version of the print showing the... Um, showing the, uh, the, the, the best photograph, the one that he ha had kept the print of. And as you can imagine, it was like, well, what's going on? Have you, are you investigating it? You know, what have you... And he was basically told, um, yeah, it's been sent to our photographic experts, which, are, which, is, which was an agency called JARIC, Joint Air Reconnaissance Intellig Intelligence Center. Um, they were the photo analysts that were that that, um, that were used extensively during the Second World War um, when they were using um, when the RAF were taking sort of a, a, doing aerial reconnaissance of the V2 weapons plant at Pinamundi. So that you know that they are the RAF's photo experts, mm -hmm. and he he was told that they hadn't been able to add, that basically all they all they could say was that the photographs were genuine, they were not faked, and they couldn't identify. Um, the, the the object in the in the images and the the other bizarre thing was they didn't they couldn't they, they hadn't been able to find where the harrier had come from they got no record of there being mm. harriers in the air at that particular time and place wow which is very very peculiar um, and and he was basically told um, leave it to London forget about the story don't mm. talk to anyone about it. You know, um, don't don't ask questions. Just leave it with us. And so he, he left. He made a few more sort of phone calls about it, but nothing appeared in the newspaper. And as far as he was concerned, that was the end of the story. But he'd kept the original print that had been sent to him by the Daily Record and the envelope in which it had arrived. So when he left the Royal Air Force in 1999 and he was clearing out his office, he found the print and he thought, what shall I do with it? Shall I throw it away? Shall I drop it in the waste paper basket? And he thought, no, I'll take it with me. Huh? And so he kept it. Mm. And he's, sh he's, he's shown it various people over the years and said, you know, um, what do you think of this? And everyone who's seen it has been, well, don't know. What, do you, what is it? Mm. Um, and basically, um, despite the fact that, this story has had so much publicity and Nick Pope has, has written about it in his book and there's been all these tabloid stories about it until I called him in the summer of um, 2021 out of the blue and said, hello, I'm David Clark. I'm interested in a photograph you that I think you might know something about. I was the very first person to contact him about it in all those years. Amazing. Amazing. Now, when you saw the photo mm. um, in person, did you take like a magnifier and go in and, and try to examine it closely to see if you could see any more detail? Well, originally, he, he wasn't very keen on parting with the photograph. Um, he'd had it all those years, and he was very worried about um, whether he was subject to the Official Secrets Act, whether by showing right. it to me, he would, he would be in trouble with his former employers. You know, if this thing depicted in it was some kind of top secret experimental aircraft, he was concerned about whether he could be prosecuted under the Official Secrets Act. He also was concerned that if he if he allowed it to be released and published, that he would then be inundated with, you know, media people wanting to interview him about it. Um, 
UFO um, ufologist queuing up outside his front door, as he put it. Um, <laughs> this, this is a guy who's now in his mid in his mid eighties, who is mm -hmm. retired. He, he does. He's not interested in becoming a celebrity, going on talk shows, that kind of thing. So it, it took an awful lot of work to try and persuade him that this was an important image that it deserved to be um, released to the public. And what we decided to do um, was um, he decided, because he knew, because I've run a, an archive of UFO material, mm -hmm. which at, at the university, Sheffield Hallam University, it's a, it's a contemporary legend archive where I've got various other um, um, iconic UFO images. Um, I said, why don't you donate it to the university? We will look after it. We will cure it. We will, we will make it available to the media. Um, I will write a story on it because I still work as a freelance journalist. I can interview you. I can act as your sort of spokesperson so that you don't have to deal with the media directly. And that, that's, that's how I came to write the story that was published in the Daily Mail online. Yeah. And when that came out, that kind of went crazy. I mean, oh. I was talking about it on my show and I tried to reach you right away. You were very busy all yeah. over the place. Inundated and, with inquiries, yeah. 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 And uh, I think I had someone reach out also to you and they said, yeah, I know, uh, I'll get back to them or something like that. But uh, so one of the questions that comes in to mind is, would there be an, the possibility of an experimental craft in that location? Well, it's not it's it's not impossible. I mean, what I haven't said is is that as well as well as the um, as well as Craig, I have spoken to a number of people who who were responsible for um, investigating UFO, UFO or UAP as they as they came to call them incidents for the Defence Intelligence section of the Ministry of Defence, and these are people who will not speak publicly and 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 as. As sources, I can't identify who they are, and I know when you when you're when you're um, talking about um, anonymous sources like that, people tend to think they're anonymous. So how can we trust them? Yeah. But all I can say is um, <laughs> these are people who I've checked out. They are who they say they are. You know, um, sometimes you have to fall back on anonymous sources where people won't go on the record, and. Mm -hmm. I have now spoken to two or three separate individuals who are trustworthy and who dealt, shall we say, without wanting to say too much that might identify who these people are, but they've all sort of confirmed that these are genuine photographs and that they do show an experimental aircraft of some kind. Uh, and they say it was a, um, a, um, a US Air Force or US, uh, CIA um, um, experimental craft that, that for some reason was over Scotland at this particular time, whether it was uh, some kind of test, you know, to see whether the whether the UK's air defences were able to detect it, detect this thing. Don't forget, if this was a, an experimental stealth aircraft, this is just a few months before the F one one seven A, the the stealth fighter first. Well, it wasn't it wasn't the first time it had seen action, but it but it was used in the um, in the Gulf War. Uh, bombing Baghdad, Baghdad. The B two bomber was in was in production at the time as well. There were a number of experimental prototypes. Uh, there were probably unmanned um, aircraft as well that were being tested. You know, it could have been anything of that kind. It could even be an RAF uh, or UK experimental aircraft that we were working with the um, the US authorities to to to, to fly it. Who knows? Um, 
but this 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 is what I was told, and that the photograph was classified as secret um, as soon as it came into the possession of the of the Ministry of Defence, and and that would explain why the newspaper never published the photograph. It would explain why the photographers have vanished, uh, because we we were told that they were they they were spoken to, and they they were told you know not to talk to the media any further about the whatever it was they'd photographed. Um, the, the skeptics who say that, being a skeptic myself, I've got to say the thing that's most surprised me about this is how close-minded some of the skeptics um, have been about this. It, it, I mean, the reaction I've had um, has been, why are you pushing this theory that this is some kind of experimental aircraft? It can't possibly be, because no such thing exists that would behave like that, that would sort of, that would move in that way, that, that would be yeah, completely that was, silent. I'm my next question was, would an experimental aircraft shoot straight up? I mean, if the photographers were telling the truth. Well, there's a simple answer to that, is that we haven't spoken to the photographers, have we? No, we don't but, know who they are. So you so, got a second hand. Yeah, yeah, so first hand is always best hand. That's, that's yeah. you know, a, a journalistic mantra. So all we know is that um, this, that Craig Lindsay, who interviewed one of the photographers on a telephone 32 years ago, is remembering a conversation he had with this guy. And this guy says that he remembers this thing going up into the sky at some incredible speed, completely silent. Now, remember, if just before that, the object had been circled by a Harrier jump jet. Now, if you've been close to a Harrier jump jet, you would know that it makes an incredibly loud noise. So therefore, how can we be absolutely sure that this object was completely silent? Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, maybe it was whatever noise it was making had been drowned out by the sound of the Harrier jets that were circling around it at the time. But because we're not talking to the actual photographer, we don't have the photographer's first-hand account. We only have a 32-year-old account of someone who spoke to the photographer at the time. I don't think we can take it as read that we know we that that's exactly what happened, or that there was no sound. Right, and would there be? Any circumstance, like if this was a UAP that was unidentified and not a secret military craft, would there also be a circumstance where they were told not to talk about it and it would be pulled from the paper? Or would that, do you think that would just go in the paper? Well, I can't think of any other reason why um, a newspaper wouldn't publish a story like this. And I can't think of any reason why uh, um, two um, witnesses who'd seen something like this, taken the photographs and then taken those photographs for publication in the newspaper, that was their intention, why they would, they would just simply vanish after, mm. after doing that and why the newspaper then wouldn't run the story, other than the whether, other than the only explanation that makes any sense is that that something uh, went on that was some kind of military exercise. That um, I'm not saying that they were ordered not to publish it. It's it's far more subtle than that. It, it's the, the system works in just we'd rather you didn't publish it because it, it, it's a sensitive matter. That's why that's the conversation that I think will have taken place. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, we're just about out of time here, but it's it's in a way, you know, there are some similarities to the Cash Landrum case, hmm. only you know because this is a, a diamond shaped. Uh, in that case, there were helicopters, yeah, um, you know, uh, uh, trailing it, and that you know very much. I remember um, 
I'm trying to think who it is that does all the research on the aircraft. Uh, I'm drawing a blank right now, but uh, Shri- he's convinced it was an experimental Shri- uh, yeah. aircraft, Shri- and there was radiation Shri- burns and Mark involved Shri- in that. Uh, and mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly what year that was. I think that aircraft. was the same around the Shri- same time as Shri- the Rendlesham incident, Shri- so, Shri- so 1980s. Yeah. But but the but the interesting thing the thing what I found interesting about this Kelvin story is unlike a lot of the other UFO legends like Rendlesham, it's quite simple with this story. Either either the objects, either the photograph and the story is is false. It's a fake photograph, or it's um, some kind of military aircraft of some kind. I mean, I wouldn't rule out the possibility it could be a blimp, a kite, or some other unusual object in the sky. But those are, to me, there, there are only two possibilities. You know, and, and so far, no one has been able to conclusively demonstrate that the photograph is a fake. There's been many people trying to suggest it's something really bizarre, like a reflection in a pond with the objects like a, a, a stone sticking out of a pond. But I think that's in the eye of the beholder. I think Was the, that Nick West? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think Mick, Mick West has certainly um, has, has carried a, a, that theory on his um, on his website, but I don't think he really believes that. I think this, the simplest explanation, if it is a fake, is that it's a small object that's suspended from the tree line that's dangling on a thread. Yeah. But, but I, I think if it's a fake, it's 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 it's. It, but but you, but the thing is, how then would you explain the Harrier? Now it's it's easy to carry off a fake like that. If yeah. you've got one image, but don't forget, originally there was six images with the aircraft yes. in different positions around the object. So somewhere out there exists these five other images. And yeah, then... and 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 also the photographers and um, two, two yeah. these two young guys who we believe were chefs working in this hotel. Now, what I will say is that on the back of the print that I have in the archive is the name of one of the photographers, which I've. Gone, I, I've decided not to publish because I've been trying to track this person down, mm-hmm. um, and I thought it was it was that was the best way to do it because I think if if we'd revealed the name, then we're going to get an awful lot of people um, claiming that they know who this person is. Whereas I'm waiting for that person to contact me and say that's my photograph, and then because only I, because because we know the name, we can pretty much eliminate anyone who's. You know, wanting to sort of pretend to be the photographer, I see, um, and claim the copyright on on this image. So, yeah, um, we've made extensive inquiries to track this person down, and no, we haven't been able to find this person so far. I mean, there are from the work that we've done, there's some somewhere in the region of 160 people alive in the United Kingdom who share his name, and we've contacted um, pretty much all of those, and still not been able to find him. So, there's the possibility. That the name itself is false and it's a pseudonym that that person was using, which or makes it even more. Yeah. Or he's passed away. Yeah, yeah. But All you right. would have thought, Martin, wouldn't you, that someone who knew that person, yeah. who's seen the photographs, it's been in all the newspapers, would have come forward. So it's a really baffling mystery. Really. Well, thank you so much. That's it for our time today, and uh, I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Always glad to have you back again. Oh, thanks Thank you. for having me on. All right. All right. So that's it for tonight. Thank you. Uh, next week, we have uh, David Marler coming up. 
And uh, the blog this week, I forgot to say about Charles Lear's behind the scenes of UFO cover up live number five. Charles is going to be on December 13th talking about that series. A lot of depth of uh, work he did on that. So thank you, everyone. And remember to keep your eyes to the sky.